0: Welcome to The Current Thing with me, Nick Dixon, where we talk about politics, the culture war, and anything else that might come up. And today we have another very special guest, Mr. Alan Miller, co-founder of the Together Association. Alan, thanks for doing the show.
1: Well, Thanks for having me today, Nick.
0: So firstly, Alan, what is Together, and why did you found it or co-found it?
1: So on the so-called Freedom Day, when the Prime Minister of the time, Boris Johnson, said it's Freedom Day now and you're going to have vaccine passports, uh, many people who were already challenging some of the what we felt were very draconian and unnecessary measures uh, said they're really ignoring everyone. And no matter how much profile individuals have or even groups have, we need to have a, a kind of umbrella approach and uh, an organisation that can be part, work with everyone and, and get our voices heard across the board. Um, and that was how Together was born uh, at the end of uh, uh, August um, and in uh, a, a year and a bit ago, it's kind of, you know, it'll be this August, uh, this September will be two years since we sort of started. Uh, and so that's how we launched. Um, prior to that, I was doing something called Open for All where I work with, um, you know, various hospitality venues around the UK, uh, we got over a 1000 venues saying they weren't going to have show me your papers and vaccine passports. And we really just a lot of people were furious with the prime minister who had said he'd eat any uh id card in a previous incarnation if it if it came along Uh, then that was calling freedom day it was almost as though we were being purposely mocked uh and um so that's what gave rise to it um and and then really what it what it was is we um we got about 150 people together from campaign groups business people um people of faith, a range of different people that had been quite vocal uh, from all sorts of different areas, the private sector uh, and also public sector. And we created six pillars effectively, six key areas that we thought that were really essential of which no lockdowns ever, they were not necessary and they were damaging and uh and uh there are a range of others that we we basically it's on our site and everything the key principles that we had the no more impositions or restrictions without proper scrutiny a cost benefit analysis a proper evaluation of things uh freedom of speech not censoring which we've obviously seen uh has been absolutely a huge problem from the twitter files lockdown files and everything else uh and uh one of them was children don't need this procedure, the vaccination. Um, So six key principles that uh, we went forward with. uh, And obviously, quite a lot of people agreed with it because we got a lot of people subscribing as signatures, signatures, and then subsequently later members.
0: Yeah. And you've got this uh, mission statement on your website, which made a good point, I thought. It said that overnight, a draconian controlling relationship formed with our elect representatives in the name of keeping us safe but many of us did not feel safe with this uninvited restructuring of the social contract and that's exactly how i felt i'm like hang on this is all about keeping us safe but suddenly i've got to take this safe and effective treatment and yes youtube it is perfectly safe and effective but i didn't particularly want to take it and then suddenly it's like okay i I, now i can't go anywhere but do you think that these passports covid passports that were talked about are they sort of still a threat or is that sort of we moved on from all that now
1: uh The question of digital ID and surveillance and controls is not going to go away. Like the question of free speech, I don't think ever goes away. Uh, And uh, another one of your guests, Andrew Doyle, wrote a really brilliant book recently about free speech. But, um, you know, really from the very early incarnation in pre-modern society in, in Rome and Greek society and others the whole contestation of free speech has been a long time and in the modern period we like to think we're and we are much more modern and civilized in many ways but there are always those that would seek to suffocate and limit it and then there are those that want to you know it's the same as the conversation with Jefferson and others at the time of the American Revolution and all of those things is where, where others would want to suffocate it or use any situation to limit and restrict us so I think that's the challenge and i think that's the issue and of course we know we had a pandemic preparedness strategy that was jettisoned and kicked out and dispensed with that was there to keep us safe and so with these really um banal uh, and you know juvenile and patronizing but actually malicious slogans that seek not to, a bit like they might in the world of the Stasi, they seek not to allow clarification and and the public to understand and to have the consent of the public, which we should remember the public, very sensible generally, if they think something out there is really, really terrifying, they'll take their own measures, which they had done before the lockdown in any case, whether they were right or not, because they'd seen so much fearful... (laughs) so many statements consistently very little context of how many other people die of other things and any of that it was a very one-way street and we we know yet together we're very much determined to have the public at the heart of things in this social contract and a democratic one is that our elected representatives need to remember it's not what the markets say or what when you fly off together for a nice jolly somewhere else, what you all decide over there. or But it's what is required in your sovereign nation, the demos, the public. What do we need here? How are we going to get that? And let's have it in an open, transparent way. And if it is also safe and effective, or if it is also much scientific, then you should demonstrate the merit and the virtue of your arguments by allowing everyone to engage with it, to see it and show how good, let the antiseptic of light, look at it show everyone don't shut them down when they criticize or ask questions and win on the win hearts and minds on that basis and you know we're very uh committed to the idea that the public are not mad and bad and dangerous and need to be told to stand in the corner with their hands on their heads but we are the active ingredient we have agency we're the active we can make you know it's what I just remember, Nick, do you remember right at the start of it all when they were talking about volunteers? Because I volunteered a bit, right, to do some things. I was like, How? it's a bit weird that you can go and volunteer and you're not going to kill everyone. But if you don't go and volunteer and do, I was giving food away. To, like Some friends of mine were giving away food. They are getting hospitality to give away food to people that weren't at school getting school meals, right? And people were trying to help. And they had nearly a million volunteers in British public who wanted to help and do things. And they suffocated that and said, no, go away, lock off, go away. You think about even that, right? Even in that period, what could have been done with those people? And I'm not saying people should not be paid for the work they're doing, but the public generally, despite how often it's presented in policy terms and other areas, is generally decent, good people who want to kind of contribute and help. And part, there are friends, neighbors, colleagues, loved ones, when they talk about us, whether it's to do with many of the other things we'll probably come on to about the the state of politics or the the climate or nature it's always like we're this kind of avaricious nasty consuming terror it's like we're like the, the the apocalyptic human right but actually generally people are really really decent and good and there's obviously what my grandma would call a few rotten apples whatever you want to say there's some people who might mis- misbehave, we know that's the case, but generally people are, are really good. And that's the thing that's been so unacceptable, particularly in light of now, um, you know, having seen things like Isabel Oakshot and the Telegraph and some of the lockdown files and the Twitter files and having seen how we, uh, whether they actually genuinely believed it was a terrible, terrible thing that was gonna kill everyone or not, how they wanted to really scare everyone and it, they were gaming a lot of things. That I think that, you know, it's even more essential now to re-establish some trust. And the way we do the trust is that, that, that the public citizens have more of a say on things and in things. And that's the way we do it. And that's something that together we're committed to. And we're not going to go away. You know, the one thing about this really, really bad thing that's happened all around. I mean, most everyone will agree it's a bad thing that happened in the last few years, but people will say that different parts of it are the, are the bad thing. Obviously things can come along at different times for whatever reason, right, and I'm still not sure why it came, right, there's all those conversations going on, but it's how we deal with them. And the one thing that's come out of this in many ways is many people that would not have met each other and didn't know each other and come from different, some from the left, some from the right, some from the centre, some apolitical, have met each other and being thrown into a situation where they were critical and asking questions. And and that's what together is a very broad church. We have people with different views on if you were to sit down and talk about some specific things, they've got different views, but we've got key principles that we say, you know, well, you might think this is happening because of this reason and you for that reason. But if we can agree that the way we challenge it and solve it is that we all make sure we assert ourselves, then actually we can get some practical results, right? And we can keep, because we argue and discuss about things even on our steering group and exec board. We don't all agree, right? We've all been thrown up from different traditions or no tradition at all. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but that's quite exciting. And it also means you can't just rest on any laurels of you can't rest on any laurels now anyway, right? Because so many things are up in the air. But yes, that's the, the idea for us would be to rejuvenate and resuscitate the body politics so that the public is at the heart of things and our social contract is a democratic one based on active citizens engaged and not what we've had for the last few decades actually which is more and more technocrats who are the great and the good who know what's best for everyone and they kind of just do these things and we need to shut up and get on with it right and so that's something we're really averse to and we want to inject a, a democratic infusion into things.
0: All right, where do you stand on the early lockdown or the first lockdown? Because you talk about volunteering early on because one thing that slightly irks me, but I don't know where you stand on it, is people saying the first lockdown was justified maybe, but blah, blah, blah. Whereas I don't think it ever was justified. My, my thing is, in principle, this was wrong.
1: I agree, I, I, I think that the I think the problem is, I was, so I was in Manhattan briefly Uh, when it was first happening and you could see what was going on, obviously it was first happening, everyone was watching what was going on in Asia and then the Diamond Princess had been there and I've got a friend who does a lot of disaster uh, relief, he'd been in Katrina and all that working with different groups of the government and we're just talking about it and we're talking about the demographic, the age, disposition and how it looked, the risk factor. and I know you couldn't really tell much, it's very difficult to trust what you get out of China right? in terms of numbers and stats. and So I get that point. But it was like a petri dish in some ways. And then we know some things about respiratory conditions. And I know that uh, it's new. So everyone's like, it's new, it's new. But um, fairly quickly, there, were, there was quite a lot of data as opposed to modelling. So modelling is a different thing to data. And I think that's really important when people talk about the science of which there isn't such a thing. There is obviously scientific body of thought but science is always developing and it can be contested and there isn't one the science right and and i think that the very uh nature of just saying we're going to lock down everything and everyone was was wrong right i mean i I think that i mean i remember at the time when the, the it came on and i spoke to a few people and there was this real sense of I had this sense, you know, when you really feel a little powerless, right? Cause you're like, okay, this is a mistake guys. Now I just want to contextualize something as well. Up until then, I had I previous, in my previous incarnation of doing things, I'd, I'd been involved in, I'd set up a lobbying organization for nightlife. And I spoke internationally cause I'd been for about three decades doing events around the world and in the UK. I spoke a lot about how day and night, 24 hour, uh, hospitality and events could create destination hubs that can employ people and create uh, traffic and more property, Hackney being an example, but many places in Liverpool, Manchester, lots of places around the country and internationally. And I brought people to May- mayors, we campaigned with the ho- we work with the Home Office, the Police, Treasury and others, right, to try and stabilize a problem, which was that the nightlife we felt was under attack and being blamed for things. In a similar language, actually, the public health lobbying was saying that alcohol-related crimes, it's all out of control of the public, they need to be restricted, there's this kind of amorphous antisocial behaviour, everything. We're like, well, this is what we generate cities and where we get the new Adele and Stormzy from and the night club and the dance floor has always been synonymous with, with with music and fashion and Carnaby Street and Fashion Week and the productive creative enterprises. And It took us sort of six years, but we changed the discussion, right? And we had a relationship where we were talking to people in the government. But as things, when we got up to that point, it all shut down, you know, the shutters came down and everything shut. And I said to people, this, that's it now. They're not listening anymore because at the start they were listening and they did that U-turn, right? I think when they came under pressure um, from the shrill Twitter sphere, you know, you're murderers, you're killers, you're irresponsible. And the lack of principle and spine and commitment is ironic because, you know, you can have weak authoritarians. And I think that's what we've got across the board at the moment. So they can be authoritarian, but they can be weak. And rather than having the courage or convictions and having the authority and arguing the point and then saying this is the thing and 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 they not backing down that doesn't mean that if you get it wrong you don't say so right we well, have to be clear and nuanced about these things so that all that was going on and i was like furious and i spoke to a couple of people and they were like well we've got to go and do this and i'm like right well this is what this is right <laughs> you can be as furious as you want about it but you know there's a thing going on in the world, so you know what it was, Nick. For, for for first couple of weeks and everything, it was really nice weather. People were going about. I know people. If you were lucky enough not to be a single parent with two or three kids and a council house or whatever it was, so, different people could 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 relate to it in different ways, right? And of course, some people just carried on working right the way through, right? And I'm not mean working from home in the garden with the laptop, right? We're getting paid. I mean, like grafting, right? So, so the thing is. Um, I was opposed to it. There were some people that um, I respect a lot that argued against it from the get-go and still did and were called all sorts of things. And um, it was unprecedented. That was the thing that wasn't. But they keep saying these things are unprecedented, but that was the thing that was unprecedented. Uh, it, had, it had a small thing in Mexico before once, and it was come, came from China. Um, and uh, I think it was very wrong.
0: Yeah, and some people still say one thing they they struggle to answer is you just say the word Sweden and it's like kryptonite to them but but some people will still say well no they they voluntarily locked down and you mentioned people voluntarily do make adjustments but they essentially had a lockdown voluntarily which is complete nonsense because they they didn't do much and they only 10% of them wore masks, masks never took you know never caught on so they did some things but it wasn't equivalent to a lockdown or they'll just lie and say the excess deaths you know, are are not in their favour or something, whereas obviously they're not radically different to other places. So isn't Sweden this proof that it was kind of all unnecessary?
1: I think it does, in many ways, in Sweden. And there's some other examples. You know, you've got states in America where at different points they did different things like Florida and parts of, you know, Texas and Tennessee and different areas. But uh, the thing about Sweden is that you had someone that understood things and, you you know, clearly as an epidemiologist and... um, you had a situation where they had measures. So you could have groups of 50, right, or less together out. And if a kid got COVID at a school, uh, the kid would be sent home, not the whole class and not the whole school. So you had this measured response to a set of circumstances, but you'd almost think that, well, they're living in a different world, right? That's a parallel universe, because here it was presented as though it was the, the, the plague or the Black Death. And, you know, obviously if it was Ebola, First, it wouldn't have spread as quickly because that would have killed people quite speedily. But you see, the thing is, people kept saying, Well, you're not a scientist, you're not a virologist. And it was very not rational. It was very hysterical because if you do ask rational, calm questions and you say, Well, I th- think it is something and it could is something significant. And obviously, quite a lot of older people that were vulnerable. It's going to be an impact. I actually said to my uncle, my uncle a, a, a few years earlier. Who's just, he's just—he's like my older brother. He's just a few years younger than me, uh, older than me. He'd had a condition. He's got a condition, and he—he he got swine flu coming back from Florida, and he nearly died, right? And I—I I sort of said goodbye to him in intensive care, and he came through, right? Brilliant, by the way, at Hampstead, um, the Royal Free Hospital, just incredible treatment. But anyway, and I said to him and my mum, who's got a really, she's got a condition. I might be saying these things in, in, you know, generally on socials and everything and in the public, but there, if you've got a serious condition, it needs to be taken seriously, right? And at the start, Nick, right, I was going over to my mum's and I was putting on gloves and I had a mask and we were washing the fruit. Because I didn't you know, who not? I'm, this is the thing as well about your responsibility. I'm not, I think this is where it, so quite a lot of people who are stoic and wanted to do the right thing, and wanted to be responsible, which are really important virtues, right? And they're really, and I don't want to mock those things, because sometimes people are the sheep, but they're good things. And they're like, they often think there's latte class of people who don't want to do anything. And they've got, yeah, you have to do a bit of things, right? So we were doing that to begin with, right? And I was, now that obviously is preposterous. even we worked it out, my mum worked it out. I was like, this is a bit weird, right? All these people are preparing the food. You can prepare the food and send it out, but you can't eat the, do you know what I mean? After a minute, and why isn't everyone dead everywhere? And so you, there's, there's things, and it's not to be crashed, because obviously people got ill. But we, I think we have to say, and people said at the time, the people that got really sick and died well, people that were already of a certain demographic that were likely to die sick if they got anything like the flu or anything or and it might be a matter of months. And that's not to say that you think that it's OK, even because a few months people will all know with someone you love and a situation is a lot of time. But that's the point as well how those people were put into situations and not allowed to see their family and not allowed to see their loved ones. In, so you, maybe you, you're saying, you claim that, that people are saying they got a few more months or whatever, but we didn't get to see them and all of that. So all of these things about being scientific and rational, uh, it was not calm. It was hysterical. And it was not a, a rational debate about treating us all that we all got the common interest and we can work this out together and solve it. It was a very... One sided series of things. In some ways, it's this, and then that's the strap line, and you got to get on with it and do it.
0: Yeah, and um, Sweden was a particular challenge for the other side because Florida, like you say, but Florida's known as like, oh, it's right wing, it's DeSantis, they're crazy Americans, whatever, they're conservatives. Whereas Sweden, these sort of liberal, social democrat people, ultra, known as kind of ultra rational, if anything. So that was a real problem for that side. And because, like you say, it was common sense. This idea we all had to suddenly follow experts. We had no common sense. And I I knew masks were nonsense. I wore it three times total. One, because my friend had a small business and he kept getting visits from the police. And two, because a GP forced me to. But basically, didn't wear it. But I didn't have to visit my parents. They were up in Cumbria. I was in London. So that never came up. I understand that one's very difficult. You're meeting your elderly parents with a a medical condition that's a very tricky moral conundrum you don't want to be like you might believe it's nonsense or over overblown let's say but you don't want to go in and like oh, i'll take a chance with my parents health obviously that so that yeah that sort of checkmated people but you, you touched on something there about whether it's all planned and this is one question i was keen to ask you because i have another podcast with toby young it's called the weekly skeptics doing very well 16th political podcast in Britain on Apple who, who cares um, but, uh, the, the, but the thing that comes up a lot with Toby is this Team James versus Team Toby because Toby has another podcast with James Paul London Calling and Team James means you've gone full conspiracy dinosaurs aren't real Paul McCartney died in 1966 you know you've gone all in on that and then Team Toby is, no, it's all a cock-up. I've met these people. It's incompetence, if anything. So I wanted to just get where you stood it. I, can, I, th- I think I can guess from what you said. Oh, there's a third option, by the way, that Alex McCarran raised on this podcast, which is you can be Team Joby, which is you can be a little bit of a mixture, and you can be Team Nick now as well. So Team Nick's a lot more... Team Nick's, you know, you know got some views that are controversial, but not full conspiracy. But it's a slightly more conspiracy moderate position, I sometimes call it. But where do you stand on all that, Alan?
1: Um... I think the agency and the, if you look at where ideas came that, that thought that there was this just other thing that's happening is when people feel weak and they don't feel like they're in control of their destiny when people and uh, feel like they can shape and control things and they have an influence that's why it's really important when we take the wins we win them um, and you do that more and more people can see you're curating the world now, there's a real sense in which we don't have control over our lives that, and also there's a cultural backdrop that we're at risk, we're vulnerable, things happen to us. We are not the historic agents of change. We're not like in the uh, French Revolution, for better and for worse, right, or, or in the American Revolution. It's not like, this. people almost mock it, you know, I know the whole anti-colonial, the left, the right, cultural discussion about it all, but if you look at it now, even the, just the sentiment of changing things. We live in the legacy of when people had big ideas in the 20th century, uh, of Dachau and the Gulag, things going very, very badly wrong with big ideas or people wanting to change things, right? And that that legacy, now some people have argued all along those big ideas are wrong, right? You know, and like libertarians and others would say that. And that. I get the arguments. My point being that for most of society, we have a sense in which, We've grown through, we've come out of the Cold War and we, we, this is the uh, shadow of our existence. And that at the same time, we see ourselves as either termites destroying the planet, killing everything, or at risk and vulnerable and, and always. And it's not the history-making agents of change. And in that context, everything can seem like it's sort of mad in control. And then technology is really big and you've got some very wealthy people. I'd just say this, I mean, obviously some people do know some people. This is the whole thing about if you're a bit closer, not geographically, but if you end up, for one reason or another, meeting some people, or you've met Paul McCartney, I mean, obviously someone could say, well, he's a, not really Paul McCartney, he's pretending, right? But um, then you get to see a little bit in your, in, your, in your world where you see it, or where you can see some shaping of things to happen, right? So uh, I had this conversation a bit with Isabel Oakshot. Because uh, she's kind of, well, I can't believe some people think all these things. And I'm like, well, you know these people, and you've, like the, the MPs, you spent some time around them, you spent your career, and you know their flaws and their fails, and it's not like, you know, so you know a bit more about it, so you're a bit closer to that coalface, right? And so where I am on things is that um, I've been very fortunate. I've travelled a lot. I've been involved in projects. Uh, even this conversation about, <laughs> do we know... About the moon and the moonlight and travel and space, and I was involved in a, just before lockdown. I was involved in a big project, it was going to be taking some artists to space at a festival. Anyway, I can't say too much about it, but not because of any censorship or anything, just because things things might still happen. But the point being. And i was you know and in another life when i was much younger i was training to be in the raf and i was in the air cadets and we did all this thing and i but i've i've met i'm going to give you an people will say and i see them interviewed and talked about this thing if you don't ever do certain things and you don't get around those things in an age where any idea is possible it's all relative there's no objective truth these you know made up that's one exaggerate It's a postmodern everything's whatever you want it to be my truth my thing right it's preposterous right and like when my son i tried to explain to him where we've come from would say well there was a big bang and jesus and everyone would chuckle and go "Oh!" and then you think well yeah but try and explain it a bit more like what came before the big bang and energy waves and what it Anyone and even people that are mathematicians—it's tricky, right? So, our stories about what's happened and what hasn't happened—there are some things that we're we're constantly learning, we're constantly evolving, and all of that. I think that um, I w- I think that I get very nervous when people say this is the whole truth of everything. It's all like this. If you don't see it. Not that you will be in eternal damnation or sin, but a secular version of it, then you're a this or you're a that. And it's obvious well, if it's that obvious, why isn't what why are you not able to explain it clearly to people? And how's it going, by the way, with that attempt to win the hearts and minds with that idea rather than insulting people? Now, I want to just make this point. There are absolutely very big international global interests that have come along, I think they've become aligned because of a number of things that have not happened in domestic nation states over the last three decades, right? And there's this technocratic class from Blair really onwards, but we saw some of these things emerging before, was they've got that kind of Blair Cameron moment where and they like kind of everyone jet-setting around talking about the things they like, all the policy people saying similar things, it's the end of the Cold War, this is it. What are you focusing on? There isn't this kind of mortal enemy over there. And it becomes very detached. There isn't a big public, there there is the left has gone away, effectively, right? In its old form. That kind of debate over the market, that was all kind of one well, we've won that argument, that's gone. And I know we've got this new cultural left and with this discussion about that and there's this clash and culture wars, but What's what strikes me as happening is that for a long time, people haven't felt that they can shape the world and things that feel like they're happening on the outside away from them. And I'm like, I don't even have to convince anyone that that's not the case. All I would say is, let's you can think that and I can think this. But if you don't like what's going on, and I work with a lot of people like this because like people that are close to me and us and we have raging debates and we vote. And we take, the, we take views on that basis, right? We do what a lot of the other political groups and parties don't do. We take it seriously, but we try and win over the point and the argument. But our point is that, yeah, obviously, if you think this is the idea and it's all happening because of this one guy and he's telling everyone and he's infiltrated it, then you might think that's the best way to win it over. Or if you think there's been all these kind of, whatever it might be, there's false flags everywhere, everything's been a hype. It's all... Ju- you might think that's the way to convince people. Or you might think, what I think is you might think that but if you go down my mum's road and start saying that to people you're not gonna but if you say to people down my mum's road do you think it's a good idea that they just shut this road off without um talking to you and that you're not going to be earning any money you can't drive your van you can't see your cousins and you can't get to your elderly mum and it's impacting off our shops then we might get some traction right And it might be that there's a C40 cities and that Bloomberg's also backing it because he was a mayor and there's this thing with Sadiq Khan. Those things can all be true as well. And they are very real and serious, right? But the issue is also that we've got a party called the Conservative Party that's funding those things and the local authorities, Labour, Lib Dem, Green, they're all running. And the public are just getting hammered. And the way to address it in our opinion, in my opinion, is the public address it as it is impacts to our wages, impacts to our incomes, and when do we ever agree to give up our freedom of mobility? They're the arguments, it seems to me, that we can win a section of the public over if we're serious. And this is important, right? Because I have some thoughts about some people who constantly want to say it's all this and don't you just see it, who want to say that everyone else is something else and they're stopping me. And I'm like, are you just holding things up? Do you actually want to go and convince anyone of anything? But I give them the benefit of the doubt, when well, then, Depending on who's saying what, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt in good faith. Because I understand, like I understand people in the pub or down my mum's street who are going to think certain things. Or like when I go to some of those protests and they go, oh, you're Alan Miller, yeah, you've got all these views about vaccines, we're not sure we want to work with you. And I'm like, well, what are those views about vaccines you think I've got? Because I, I haven't really been talking about that. I, I'm against mandating vaccines to people, I'm pro-choice. And it's a bit like anything when people hear about someone and they think their thing and then all of a sudden they think they know because they've seen something on social media. And someone said something. Right. And so, uh, so it's a long answer. I'm sorry. But the thing is that I think it's in the end, it's I don't think as I think the problem is this lot can't plan anything. Nick. I think they're <laughs> out of control. They're reactive. They do have a consensus around net zero. And that, if you want to talk about an agenda, there is one spelled out. I mean, it's in the UN and the WF and all elsewhere, but that's a reflection of what they've been talking about for quite some time. The activist corporations and organizations that are limits to growth, the whole Club of Rome, the Treaty of Rome, sustainable development, all those ideas that have replaced that perhaps Victorian, ambitious, transformative, industrial capitalism, we've seen some of that a bit in China and India and elsewhere, the positive kind of transformation of that with 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 industry and all of that, not the political side of it. Uh, And I think that you know that, and and we need to be able to deal with things and talk to people in everyday language and and about it and and how we can in our own sovereign nation states take back control. If you want to say what it is, right? You think that things are out of control? I agree. You think there are people that have got a lot of power, the influence over it? I agree, right? I happen to agree, right? And so, and then, how, what are we going to do about it? Come on, let's all get together and try. try. And if then we do that and we manage to it, and then you still think we've got really big disagreements we can flash all that out right but let's get this thing changed and win some more people to it that's kind of my view on it
0: yeah so you think you have to be pragmatic speak to the person on the street they're not going to you can't lead in with our dinosaurs real you know you've got you know klaus schwab's doing this and that you've got to go in how it affects them in a pragmatic way on their street their lack of agency and their lack of representation and things like that it's interesting you say they can't plan anything as well, and that's actually not that dissimilar from when I've spoken to people in the kind of remainer blob who I happen to know in my local area and things and they work for think tanks, Bank of England, BBC, etc And they're saying the main thing is competence, although you will say your your goals would be very different from theirs, but it seems that everyone agrees this government is definitely not competent. But um there's one thing I want to pick up on as well. You talked about the big bang, and I've just had Jamie Franklin on who's a, a kind of base vicar, and he thinks that um, Atheists essentially believe in magic because they, they believe that something came from nothing, etc. And we also had Tanya Edwards on, a comedian, and she's changed her views a lot during lockdown. She was a self confessed smug atheist who became a Christian. So I just wondered did your, a lot of people, they really changed their spiritual views over the COVID era? Did you have any any similar thing where you looked at this and said, oh, this is kind of, there's a lot of... Or even in the larger culture world, there's a lot of evil stuff going on and actually maybe we need God or you just look at the way the culture's going or have you have you changed on that?
1: <laughs> You're going to ask me the easy questions then. So I think <laughs> the... Um, I, I, I think about these things a lot. I think who wouldn't in a world uh, where we you, you think about... Um, any uh i think therefore i am you think about the copernican revolution you think about any of the enlightened thinkers voltaire you think about the prior to that you think about the enormously important impacts that religions have had in the world but i i i think this nick i think that we've uh in our and this is what i think i think in our transition from ape to human which i do think we happened with the opposable thumb and all these things that um and our abstract symbols with language we've become very adept at storytelling and in our uh, attempt to understand the things that are happening around us in this biological cellular world where we see things and they change right night and day and everything we've come up with stories whilst we were prey and predator and hunted and we were remarkable in many ways because we were able, that transition over a couple of million years from ape to man where we were able to both have wide extended hips and long arms, but travel a bit more and then begin to eat cooked meat and our brains developed and maybe even had some magic mushrooms and whatever we did, we started speaking and drawing and painting. When we did all of that and we organized with tools and we hunted, and I think all those things happened based on geology and, and, and history and what I've seen. I think that we've become very adept at telling stories and also experimenting and exploring with things. And um, as to say, It's a bit of banal to say that many of the world's religions had many similarities within them, but also they had big differences. So monotheism and the Judeo-Christian trajectory is very important because it was like the embodiment of the idea of one thing, almost in the image of humans, which now, of course, is mocked a lot, but with commandments and a sense of how you can live with one another. And of course, as many will know, it was universalized by that big empire the roman empire right for very particular instrumental reasons but it also lent us uh to uh principles around justice uh and conscience it led to much later on things like the reformation of martin luther uh here i stand i can do no other which opened up a window and the whole sense along with gutenberg and our technology and the fact that we were these apes that were really good at transforming things with technology and you know then everyone began to read king james bible and all of a sudden not listening to others telling you what it is but you're developing your own conscious thought and ration engaging with it and that trajectory and our struggle with thinking about who we are and where we're from and everything I'm more than up for having conversations about is there I think absolutely there are other levels of life. we know there's life in lots of places right but it depends what you mean by life microbiome I also think we think as I think we think as uh, humanoids with a bit of reptilian in us and all of that but so the idea of different types of life even in light or sound and different levels of energy there's a lot of energy in different ways that could be remarkable and I think those things are absolutely not only possible but incredibly likely if you speak to any mathematicians and physicists the idea that we're all alone in this universe with the multiple universes everyone knows you know it's a bit like Douglas Adams that's quite pedestrian what i'm saying but you know that whole thing where there's many multiple opportunities and options but i think we've become very good at telling stories that we've had a certain amount of success at using technology and harnessing it and it's daunting but that we are god and We are God and and that is huge and vastly important. And the responsibility is with all of us. And through our living with one another and our acts on the world, we should attempt to be as godlike as possible, meaning if we take the Judeo-Christian trajectory of that, perhaps as well as some of the Sufi teachings and all the other things, right? They've all, I mean, it's actually, interesting—the the, the Islamic clerics in the mid, in the Renaissance period, be prior to the Renaissance period of the Middle Ages, rescued Plato and, and 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 Aristotle and everything for us, right? So everything's contributed, right? The Persians, all of that, Indian—you've got the whole Persian um, uh, empire. I think, though, it's daunting to us because the very notion that we are responsible, we are accountable and the buck stops with us for the best and the worst of us, for what Jung would talk about as the shadow, for the uh, macabre, the terrible, the destructive chimp, as well as the beautiful, the Leonardo, the Aristotle, the best of us, the ones that sacrifice themselves to help kids the ones that help old people, the ones that do those things. When we have tragedies that put themselves on the line, the heroism that is very unfashionable now for people to talk about, or when we had those terrorist attacks, when they went out and they they, they fought back against them, and, and they, the best of us and the worst of us is quite difficult for us to comprehend. Literature and art and those other things try and do it, but that it's with us. Now, I will say this, right? So that's my view, that's my personal view, right? that we, it's with us and we are God and we've created the idea of an outside otherness mystic or mystical entity or thing that's there. But much of the body of work and thought is important. I don't like this idea that we're going to just eradicate things or just mock it or dispense with it. There's a great deal of knowledge and learning. We would not have had the revolutions in Europe or uh, the Enlightenment or any of those things without those contributions the very notion of being able to have individual conscience and everything and, and and what an individual is people don't look back before 300 years ago there wasn't an idea of an individual right there were serfs and there were kings and queens there we weren't individuals you're part of a tribe there was no discussion of that even in the greeks and the romans it's like very historically particular and specific and i think that um that that that, that <laughs> It's always tricky, isn't it? Because we've just lived through a mad historical period of 100 years, right? Where whenever you try and make a claim that's bigger, people get very nervous, and rightly so, right? If you talk about the common good or you know, like, you know, a lot of people, particularly, and I'm, I'm conscious as well that I roll with people now that also come from a kind of riot tradition as well. And they get very nervous about anything that says anything beyond just the individual, but we are in a society and we do all need to coexist and we need to work together. And I think there is also something beyond the individual. We have a fluid relationship that when you're in a crowd, I don't spend a lot of time putting on events for people, right? Big events, or stadiums, and you work with people, you see it at football, something happens, right? I had some people that did security with us, and they were like, look, when people move in a certain way, when you get a certain number, if you mathematically represent that, it's the same as a fractal, and you're like, wow, look at it, it's a bit like, yeah, one of them moments. But there is a thing that happens in this world with cells and with our nature, but there's something that happens with us, with our consciousness that is bigger than the sum of all that parts. And I think we find it difficult to comprehend the possibilities that it all stops with us and that all those things we've said about God is what our better selves want for the world. And yet we've also got that other part of ourselves, the night and day and all of that, that will pillage and rape and murder and the seven deadly sins. And reconciling those two things, in a way, We've done it brilliantly because you think, how does anyone get to work any day without killing everyone, right? So in many ways, we do it really well. But we've got, a, we want to go further, and, and and that quest for meaning and who am I and what are we doing and who are we and can we all do it better? That's a very human thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a confounding thing. Um, Yeah, so that's where I stand on it.
0: Interesting. Yeah, we talked about that on the one with Jamie Franklin, obviously. And your answer is very different, but it's very interesting. Of course, I would say we're made in God's image. We're not God. But hey, I'm sure Klaus Schwab thinks he's God, but um, not quite what you meant, of course.
1: (laughs) I like Jamie, by the way. He came out very courageously against vaccine passports. And he was in uh, a signed our together declaration with 100 other um, uh, people of faith that did it and that took a lot of courage because a lot of the more senior people in that institution uh, and I and I really think it very important. I, remember, I think these conversations are essential. I think that uh, I, I liked what E.O. Wilson wrote. He, you know, Here's the difficult thing, Nick, right? For a long time, I've said I'm a secular rationalist and I'd say I'm a humanist. All these terms now are getting abused but I grew up in, a, in an environment where there was religion Uh, And it had a very profound effect on me. And I I thought it was important and I learned and I felt like I kind of transcended it. And I'm also conscious that people want a smorgasbord now. They're like, well, I'll do a little bit of this and I'll have a bit of that. And and that commitment to something in a really serious way is sometimes lacking because our our commitment fear is a problem as well. So, you know, like you say, well, I'm going to be an ascetic or I'm going to really commit. And this is what it means. People don't talk about seven deadly sins. People don't talk about... Right, well, if you're gonna do this thing, you you commit to it properly and it involves But I think that this is the thing, and people could say you're an an optimist and everything. I believe we're all very similar and very unique. I think we want similar things. I think we have needs and desires and hopes and wants. And often when you see people in a desperate state, it's often that they haven't had some of the recognition of some of that. I'm not saying it's an all one-way street. People need to be advocates of that themselves. And that the more we can encourage that in our education, in our familial background, in our cultural world, where people can have freedom and choice and they can do all of that. But we can encourage that as a, as a kind of thing, as a society. And I think we've become, it's difficult to do that as well now, because every time you try and motivate an idea and you say, look, this is the thing, it's a problem. And, and how you have a social contract or a moral web when everyone says, "Well, it's my truth, your truth. It don't matter." That so, it's tricky, right? And and people don't want to engage and discuss. So, yeah, I think know, yeah, that's where I think we're at. This is good. I never thought it's going to be all this kind of thing. Oh it's yeah, very impressive. I always ask
0: very deep questions. I mean, Jamie was saying it last week. I even stumped him a couple of times. But yeah, it's just how I am. Um, I'm just curious. I mean, and it, yeah, it's inter- I mean, I missed some of your last answers annoyingly because of our connection. But but you you so I get the overall take, which you you sort of see it as a collective sort of God mind and. And it's, it's about the aspiration towards our higher self versus the reptilian amygdala and all that. I, I get that. And um, what's good is at least that you've thought about these things and you've got lots of ideas on them. Whereas you sort of speak to the average, um, let's say, managerial class person in the, I like to call the remain a blob sometimes. I get in trouble if I use the wrong phrase. But um, I get accused of anti-Semitism, but um, ridiculously. But... They, they sort of pretend all this stuff's been settled and we're just in a secular materialist world and Christians are idiots. And, and at least you've got, a, you know, it's great that you've got a much more nuanced, uh, thoughtful take on it.
1: And I really dislike this. I really dislike this Christians are idiots thing and that you can keep relentlessly mocking Christianity but not other things. It's got to be Goose and the Gander or whatever it is. And I, I think that more people should read and understand what something is before they decided they're going to reject it. Because I've heard some of the most profound thinkers uh, uh, talk about things. And some of the people who made the most deepest impact on me have been people that have been religious. I mean, I will say this. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so, and I think it's a very important conversation. And uh, this this kind of disdain that people are stupid. It's not just some of the people that you might have come across that you described. This is everywhere, right? There are people that are anti-lockdowners or that are anti this thing. They're like, they're all stupid. They're all sheep. People want to call people COVID-idiots or they want to call people White Van Man or Gammons or... It's not helpful. It's not going to encourage trying to win someone over to a discussion. It's certainly not godlike. It's not the best of us, right? And I'm not... I don't try and say, well, everyone's got to turn the other cheek. I'm not, as it happens, a pacifist either, right? I think there are things that are worth both fighting and dying for. But um, uh, I do think that the level of seriousness is important, as you say, right, to get to, so people can think about it. It's, it's, it's massively important. The other thing about it all is wh- how we make choices about, th- what do we think about AI and other things when we think about ourselves? This obsession with Frankenstein, and you think Mary Shelley, and you think about it in the common p- contemporary period. you know, you think about, Aldous Huxley, and you think about Stanley Kubrick. You think about everything, right? Our whole sci-fi thing, right? Dystopian world—it's all out. Can where are we in all of that, right? Where are we activating conscious, in, informed, proper decision-making, right? And now people are getting very nervous about it. Like, are we playing God with all sorts of things, with particularly space travel and some of those people, you know, all of that? So there is a really important things to, to keep talking about.
0: All right. I don't know how much time we got left. I just wanted to ask you, because I always ask some big questions like how we win the culture, which we've talked about a lot and things like this. But I wanted to quickly ask one more, less, less massive question than the last one, which is about Ofcom, which you mentioned briefly earlier, because I've been told quite aggressively um, that I should have resigned because of Mark Stein <laughs> by a lot of people on Twitter and via email I never quite understood it, and the argument seemed to be because, because something to do with Ofcom and uh, it wasn't free speech, therefore, we should all stand with Mark Stein, who I've never actually met. Although, and it's quite funny really, because Stein did actually get the safe and effective treatment. I didn't, I've been probably more outspoken on this stuff from the start than him, but I'd like to get him on actually. But my take was like, okay, you knew what you're signing up for with Ofcom. Ofcom's a bad thing it, when it, it shouldn't regulate broadcasters because who watches Ofcom? You know, why are they in charge? It's going to stay within a certain Overton window. I don't really, I think we should have the US system where you can just, it's more free to say what you want. I'm against it in broadcasting and it's now part of the online safety bill, which looks quite dangerous as well. But I also knew what I was signing up for when I did GB News. I know that there's certain things I can't necessarily say with, you know, an Ofcom regulated Uh, environment then I can maybe say them on my podcast or another podcast you know there's different environments you can say different amounts of stuff so I always accepted that but everyone was like oh you've got to resign and it's all GB is useless because of Ofcom and you obviously do GB News a fair amount so where do you stand on on Ofcom in in UK broadcasting?
1: Well I I think it's a real problem I'm a free speech absolutist so I think the free speech should be there I do think it would be very helpful if news broadcasters broadcast the news that there, I think there should be people that just, just tell, say what the news is without giving an opinion about it. Right, that would be helpful. And then there should also be. I think it's really good and important that people discuss their opinions of the news as well, and that we know what that is. And and that's one of the reasons why I think that you know GB and Talk and all of that have come out more because they're, they're, there's kind of like the BBC that was like the Larethian idea that you'd inform, educate, and entertain. But it's now a very particular set of ideas in many ways, right? With certain things. Now, I've had people say to me, a couple of people say, well, why are you going on Jeremy Vine? He was disgusting on certain things and, you know, lockdown. And my view on it is I want to, I'm going to go on as much as possible. I want to talk everywhere. I want to appeal to the public. I want to win people who do not agree with us. There is no point going in, if we're gonna just stay at the size we are of people who are and like, not ostracized and not having an impact, then I will go and set up a retreat, which is partly what I was gonna do when I was before lockdown, as well as my TV projects and do some of that because it's not, I'm not doing this because I haven't got any friends. I wanna make sure Britain does not have this happen again and that we have a democratic situation and we people always talk about their kids. I want to do it for me, um, but I also want to do it for everyone else and make sure that happens, right? So, right. so I say that now. I, so I think that the Ofcom, as you say, who's regulating the regulators, is very one-sided. We've just had the BBC say that when we did a anti ules rally, that we had uh, you know councillors, MPs, and all that, and then but also <laughs> far-right and conspiracists. We're like, well. Why are you describing that like that? What do you mean? What did you see? Who was there? What was... And, you know, you get this feeble thing that BBC's done and it got taken back to Ofcom. But you know that Ofcom's not regulating everyone in the same way with an absolute standard and it's just about this and it's about if there's... You know, so that's not the case. We've seen it in the last few years, the the announcements and what people should and shouldn't say. And I think that um, equally... Uh, as more of us are out there speaking in the press and on different platforms, the better. Many more people now listen to more people, right? If you look at Tucker Colson as another example, so the Mark Stein thing is that he's obviously got a following and a fraternity and many of them have followed him and some of them have left and some continue watching the, the station, but many of them follow him, right? So that he's going to still have some of them. Um, and uh, I'm not saying, by the way, I think they should have got rid of him or any of that, right? I'm just saying that it's like with Tucker Carlson. I don't think people realise quite. If you look at Joe Rogan and um, Nick Dixon, if you look at different people, right? And their podcasts. people are having a disproportionate impact. We can have an impact in other areas, in different arenas. And you, the thing about freedom that's so exciting and so inspiring is you cannot... Wherever you do the Berlin Wall, and if you have secret police, yeah, that spirit of humans who want to be free—you can limit it for some time. You can be barbaric and and torturous, but you're not going to stop it, and. I think that's the thing we should remind ourselves and be, and we will be as free as possible. And so I'm in the book of trying to get on and be everywhere I possibly can. I wanna to talk to different people. Uh, there are fr- people that I had as friends before that are not my friends that have unfollowed me. They don't talk to me. They talk about it should be good conversations and everything. And I know there's. I used to be on the BBC more and I used to be in the Guardian and other things, right? I'm not now, but I don't hold ill will to many of the people, obviously, I get annoyed like everyone. But I really, much more, want to talk to people that don't agree with us in some ways, right? I want to, I want to engage that. I want to. Um, I think it's important that we do that much more, because the the other thing you get is otherwise you get a situation that I've seen, and I don't want to. I do it on both sides. I don't want to get as partisan on that. But my as it happens, my background would have been something that I, I, many years ago I used to do anti-racist work around Brit Lane, right? So, that, But that would be when the far right was the far right and they would put petrol bombs through people's doors. And I had talked to people um, <clears throat> with like local working class white families about Bengali families and why you know this shouldn't be happening. And people actually stopped it happening, right? That's what I can, that's not, where are you from? As a, as I somehow now, the reason I say that is is that um, it's important. <laughs> I think it's really important that we are able to discuss things openly. And when I see things like in the states where people say they're anti fat and they're beating up people who support Donald Trump, which is basically, if you think about that, they're beating up people who democratically vote for someone. You just think, God, that is the as close, if people want to use the term fascism, right? That is getting close. That's what it was. It was going around, clearing the streets, beating up Democrats, right? That was part of the whole. And so I get very nervous about it. And I want, so I want to see as many people talking as much as possible, as widely as possible and everything. I want to talk particularly with people that I don't agree with. I'm not going, like, I'm not going to be forced by this government or another government or other people to do certain things and say certain things about, I'm just not going to have it. I'm certainly not going to have it just because people are noisy calling me names on our side or anywhere. It's not happening. You want to talk about it sensibly and not call people names and discuss and, and it. Let's do that and let's get amongst it. And I think that's that's where I stand on the whole thing. And I think the more we all insist on it, by the way, and on the Ofcom, everyone should write to them about the BBC thing, we've done all that with the BBC complaints and everything, but the more we do it, and the BBC, by the way, pulled down a post that it did saying that when, when it had an MP talking to the BBC, the, in, uh, the anchor didn't test them on the, didn't challenge them on the 4,000 deaths quote about ULES said and Sadiq Khan saying 4,000 deaths, absolutely made up. None of the reports say that, he's basically lying. And they took it down because we all reported it. It's another one example of together, getting everyone to write in, doing things, speaking to councillors. We're now, I haven't talked about any of this because you've had such interesting questions, Nick, right? But, but what we're doing together is we're getting around the country. We've got local, regional, national hubs and bus owners. we've got groups everywhere that are challenging things, whether it's low-traffic low, low neighbourhoods that haven't been democratically engaged with, haven't been consulted properly, whether it's 15, 20-minute neighbourhoods which sound nice in principle if, if, if they were actually delivering services, but it's about getting rid of cars and finding people and not having a democratic discussion, whether it's about ULES or CAS zones in the Midlands. And we're working with people around the country Um, and uh, some people are standing independently. We're going to see tomorrow. Obviously, when this comes out, it won't be tomorrow. It will be, we already know, but a lot of people are standing independently. It's a very exciting moment about what's happening in Britain now. Uh, A lot of people are going independent, uh, and we want to encourage that as much as possible, and that's going to mean being out on all sorts of platforms, arguing for free speech, saying that we need a limited amount of regulation on some very key things. We don't, in my view, need absolutely any more... Laws or regulations, certainly not on free speech, certainly not on protest. And the fact is, there's enough laws around protest now, however much people and the public don't like things, certain things like Extinction Rebellion and all of that. But it's a much bigger problem that the government is such a weak authoritarian, they can't just implement the laws it's got at the moment. And it's trying to create new laws. And you think, you know, tagging people and like protest banning orders, you're like, no, this is not the things of freedom right and we should all vigorously challenge it like with the online safety bill meant it's been some really good stuff we should recognize that various people free speech union big brother watch together declaration and others we've all been campaigning us for them lots of people been arguing about the impacts of these things and what we should do together and why we should push back and i'd encourage any of your viewers to get involved together together, Togetherdeclaration.org. Follow us at Together Deck on Twitter and get we need members and we need to be able to keep campaigning. And people say, where'd you get your money from? Right. And we get our money from our members. That's it. Right. No, there's no big shady international organization going. There you go. Wallop or not shady uh, or whatever. You know, the open democracy has just done this thing saying, oh, dubious, uh, shadowy. Organisations. I mean, you having a laugh, right? It's like absolutely mental. And and I'm like, yeah, that's what people want to do and say and see. That's another reflection of the. It's got to be someone else. It's got to be something else. It can't be what we see it as, right? It can't be that a bunch of people have just got together and organised this thing and they're funding it themselves, right? Like a cake club. Why it can't be that? Why couldn't it be? Why it's exactly that. That's exactly what it is, right? And. Um, the more that we assert ourselves and go on every platform and speak to our colleagues, friends and neighbours locally, regionally, nationally, and try and uh, push back and say, you know, this this is what we think a kind of nation where the public has a say looks like. And we're not gonna allow our councillors and our MPs fob us off with nonsense. And we're gonna tell them, well, we're gonna vote on the basis of this. And also, by the way, if you can't do it, get out the way, right? And we're launching a cabinet. A together cabinet which has got a lot of people in different areas uh that are going to be speaking to the economy and democracy and uh, education and health and all these things and we think that it would be a really important injection into the kind of democratic um culture that we need to make sure happens all right
0: well y- y- you might have answered this already then um and yeah sorry we didn't get on some of the nitty-gritty of together and there's loads of things we could talk about i mean i wanted to ask you about proportional representation and the political system there's so many things but i got into my highfalutin questions about (laughs) about religion and stuff but but um one question i like to ask is whether the country's finished because i I say that because everyone from the sort of normie person you speak to is not that engaged in politics a lot of them seem to think it some of the remainer people i spoke to the other night sort of hardcore remainer types not really on my side politically but they 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 also think that and obviously the what we could call the countercultural right lots of people say yeah our country's over so i wanted to ask is the country finished? And also a little a sub-question on that from uh, young Rory, who sometimes helps us out. Rory is a, does the YouTube clips of this channel. He's brilliant. And he has his own channel called The Radical English Gentleman. And he's on some of the podcasts. And yeah. he wanted to ask, what does a successful country look like to you? So that's a kind of same sort of question. Any comment on that?
1: I think that uh, we're def- nothing's finished. and uh, Except this experiment that we've got with democracy and freedom could be Right? because it's an experiment, like everything human. And I don't happen to think it is given by anything else. I think we've created it and curated it, and um, it can be suffocated as quickly as it came about. If we look at some of the things that are happening in other parts of the world, they don't, if we have these kind of conversations, someone will knock on the door and you could end up being arrested. We saw what happened in Hong Kong, We've seen things happen else. We know for whatever reason, right, and there's a lot, we know what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. There are terrible things. We saw it in Syria, the Middle East. We see that things in Latin America, we know that the history of the last 50 years has meant that the, many of those, many places have not had that. And we've had a window for a while where we've got the ability to live on the shoulders of many who've put their lives at risk for our freedoms and our rights. And uh it's like with the God question for me, it's up to us. What kind of world do we want to live in? It's the most creative project anyone could ever be in. You know when they say, oh, I'm doing this really creative pro- project now, and I, it's great, you do business, or you do you do this thing, or you're working there with the government, or like with a big multinational corporation, it's the best and the brightest, they go and do those things, right? This is the most creative project that we, are, we have. How do we want our world to look? What are we gonna do about it? It's not someone else's story that just happens to us. Unless we decide that, that's our decision. Is that, it, we are we gonna have an active relationship to the world, are we gonna shape it? Are we gonna be passively allowing things to be done to us? Are we gonna get ourselves there? We're gonna get in the game and get in a ring and say, this is the world I wanna see. And that is a risk. It's risky, it's like speaking up is risky because, um, you might mess up, you could get it wrong. History has had things where things are going wrong, but the only way anyone can make sure and hope that what they wanna see does happen and doesn't happen, is to be at the coalface, to be in the ring, to be right there in it, saying, this is what I want for my family and my friends and my colleagues and my country. Uh, this is what I like to see. This is what I think is reasonable and brilliant and inspiring. I want to see lots of growth. I want to see productivity. I want to see wealth creation for all, not just for people who own companies, and not just wage increases for workers. Everyone. I think that we can have a potential where we can have unbridled development and and, and initiative and imagination and cheap energy at source and prolific opportunities and that's going to take hard work and investment and dedication and arguments and commitment all these things are quite unfashionable now right and this uh sense that it's all done it can be a self-fulfilling argument right and we've seen that various empires and others have, have had a bit of that and what we've got is so special and 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 particular and important uh, like some monks and others that, that that were just left at the end of the Empire they kind of wrote things and they were like they were there were some things that were kept or like the clerics the the, the, the Islamic clerics that translated uh, Socrates and Aristotle into Arabic and then back into uh, Italian or English and, and into Greek those moments are really important and we're at one of those moments right and this is what the thing about the culture war is why it's important I and mean, we like you know without being a caricature of itself the great achievements that we've had should not be allowed to be destroyed and disdained with, right? And they are really important that we uphold them, and not to be petulant like I was as a kid at school, and I'm like, ah oh, pop music's much better than classical music. But then you had a generation of people who said, yeah, no, this is classical music. It's high art, and that's that. It's fine, but that's pop music and it's not the same won't stand the test of time it's not as good and you don't know what you're talking about but come along and listen to this and we're going to show you why this is so profoundly important we don't have people that do that now right that's the problem the very people that are the gatekeepers of our cultural institutions the people we're dominating our so-called capitalist capitalists institutions and the capital are scared of capitalism they don't really want to develop and transform things they don't people don't want risk we've got a risk-averse society like, we've got a lot of challenges but we've got brilliant people nick we've got an amazing country we've got as it happens the world's amazing it's full of bright brilliant people who are doing remarkable things in their lives that have got lots of intelligence and it's really exciting proposition. And when I, if I go to America as well, and if I go to Asia and all that, I'm always just impressed by the potential. I mean, you talk to people in India, and they're like, they don't have this cynicism. They're like, no, the, yeah, the future. Yeah, we're making it. Yeah, of course we want to get rid of poverty and our country. Yeah, we're going to transform it. And you're like, yeah. And you think well, hundreds of millions of people have been taken out of poverty, and they've got a whole new class of people that are wealthy, and they're thinking about pioneering things and space research. You're like, yeah. We need to be in the game, right, properly. And I, I'm very, very excited about the proposition. Whilst I'm very concerned and uh, very realistic, so I've got my ha- ha- my feet on the ground and my head in the stars, right, but I'm very realistic about issues of surveillance, control. I'm concerned. We you mentioned digital ID about central bank, digital currency that's programmable, about things you can and can't do, places you can and can't go, things you should and shouldn't eat or say or, or any of that drive. Um, But we say, no, we can curate it. we got this. But we have to go and convince some people and we have to think about our arguments seriously and win people over. And without coining that really corny, new agey thing, and I think the new agey thing, there's so many issues with it, right? But we should be the change we want to see a little bit, right? Let's get out there and put it and and demonstrate to people and get involved. And I would love... You know, the thing that's really exciting is with the, the stuff around the campaigning locally and regionally, we're meeting a lot of people that, some have been in the Labour Party, some are like conservatives, many are independent, some are Greens, they're all, like, all different, Lib Dems who are just really opposed to being treated like they're uh, a problem and that they don't know anything about their communities and, society, and that they're having these impositions done to them. And we're meeting brilliant new people, leaders and all that, and it's exciting, right? And some of them could run the councils much better than they know more about the areas. And I'm like, this is great it's and and i always and i think about you know uh i'm having many more these kinds of conversations with people that i'd never met five years ago three years ago right it's an important time it's good and uh, i think that you only do things i think that when you've got challenges in life you can end up doing things that are much more profound if we choose to do that you know as well as doing all the banal things obviously
0: all right. Well, Alan, we've done like an hour and a half. I think it's going to be hard to top your answer. I usually ask how we win the culture war, but I kind of think this whole episode has been your sort of pitch on, on how we win and, and using our own agency and, uh, you know, actually making change. I think that's what you're all about. Um, so finally, where can people find you? Uh, you've got Twitter, which I think is Alan Vibe. Yeah, oh your yeah,
1: mine's... And then you've got all your Together stuff. Yeah, at Alan Vibe is my Twitter. Uh, I'm on some of the other platforms as well at Alan Vibe, Instagram, and all of that. Um, and uh, for together, we're at Together Deck on Twitter, uh, which is similar. It's at Together Declaration on Instagram, but we're similar at Together Deck on the other areas. And it's TogetherDeclaration.org. And please do become a signatory in any case if you agree with what you've heard today. And you're you're not. We've had we've got hundreds of thousands of signatures, but we also need more members. And we'd love people to join as a member because that's how we keep campaigning and doing our work. And we've got a very tiny team and we've got a lot of people who have volunteered and done things, but we wanna have more of an impact. Uh, and so that would be great if you've agreed and um, yeah, get involved.
0: So sign up at what, togetherdeck.com is it? Or what is it?
1: togetherdeclaration.org org. Sorry,
0: Togetherdeclaration.org and sign up. I think I did sign, I think I'm a signatory because I signed something a while back, but uh, people should also become members as you say. And, that's, and you're not funded by dark money, you're just funded by people.
1: Yeah. All right. All our members, it's remarkable. And I want to thank any that are watching because they're the ones that are keeping this all going. They're keeping the show on the road. Uh, and um, yeah, it, 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 it's a testament because when we went out to see if people wanted to do members, we had that moment. We'd won the mandate in the past, and there was that moment and we're like well look we can have a bit of an insurance policy if we keep campaigning and everything but we're going to need to do some things where we kind of pay for things still and all that there's a lot of volunteering before that and they all were really supportive and many came in and done it and more joining and everything so it's fantastic it's really good
0: all right well thanks Alan. thanks for your hard work and energy and passion and thanks for doing this show
1: thanks nick i really appreciate you having me